Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Just about six months ago, on our June 26th, 2023 show, I spoke about artificial intelligence versus the Akashic Record. To see where things stood back then, here's a quote from that show. I said, as many of you already know, the rapid progress and the development of AI have had the very designers of this self-learning tool begging governments to put some rules and controls in place to restrain its further development. But for those not up to speed on AI, let me take a minute to reference the devastating statement signed by hundreds of experts, which recently triggered everyone's attention. And here's how broadcaster Kim Commando put it. She said, 350 of the world's most prominent business executives, researchers, and scientists signed a statement saying that artificial intelligence, AI, poses a risk of extinction on par with pandemics and nuclear war. Kim went on to say, let me put it another way. The very same people who created AI are saying that AI can wipe out humanity. The signed agreement is a who's who of tech pioneers, Elon Musk, Sam Altman, uh, CEO of OpenAI, the company that developed ChatGBT, Microsoft Chief Technology Officer Kevin Scott, and several Google executives uh, dealing with AI. And Kim continued, when you're talking about AI with your family and friends, know this, something called artificial general intelligence, AGI, is the major issue. AGI happens when machines become capable of performing functions and developing their own programming to do whatever they want without any human interaction. The concern is that without controls, we'll be battling a super intelligent machine and network of machines that have no compassion or empathy. <clears throat> okay, that was six months ago. Now to bring you up to the present, I learned yesterday that Scientists are now merging human brain stem cells with chips to create a hybrid organic computer. A headline in New Atlas dated uh, December 12th, 2023 declares, Cyborg Computer with Living Brain Organoid Aces Machine Learning Tests. That was the headline of an article written by Laz Blaine, and he states in part, Scientists have grown a tiny brain-like organoid out of human stem cells, hooked it up to a computer, and demonstrated its potential as a kind of organic machine learning chip, showing it can quickly pick up speech recognition and math predictions. Now, Indiana University researchers have taken a slightly different approach by growing a brain organoid and mounting that on a silicon chip. The difference might seem academic, but by allowing the stem cells to self-organize into a three-dimensional structure, the researchers hypothesized that the resulting organoid might be significantly smarter, that the neurons might exhibit more complexity, connectivity, neuroplasticity, and neurogenesis if they were allowed to arrange themselves more like the way they normally do. That ends that quote. 
Well, the notion of Frankenstein computers is an old one for sci-fi fans, of course, but that we're getting there so fast seems creepy to an old guy like me. Anyway, the thought occurred to me to interview a current AI system to ask it what it thought about all this. I chose Google's BARD system since I'd heard its basic information base drew less on internet garbage than Microsoft's chat, GBT. So after checking, I agree to Google's God knows what, a box instructing enter prompt here appeared and I, I cut right to the chase. My first question to Bard went, scientists are developing organic computers by combining traditional AI with human brain stem cells. What do you think? Is this a good idea? And in under five seconds, Bard answered, the idea of using human brain stem cells to develop organic computers is a fascinating and highly complex one with both potential benefits and ethical concerns to consider. Potential benefits. Increased computational power. Human brains are incredibly powerful processing machines capable of learning and adapting in ways that current AI systems cannot. By incorporating brain cells into computers, we could potentially create machines that are far more intelligent and capable than anything we have seen before. New insights into the brain. This research could potentially lead to new insights into how the brain works. By studying the behavior of brain cells in a computer environment, we could learn more about how consciousness, intelligence, and learning arise. Personalized medicine. These organic computers could be used to develop personalized medicine treatments by understanding how individual brains respond to different drugs and therapies. We could develop more effective and targeted treatments for a variety of diseases. And then he listed the ethical concerns, ethical sourcing of brain cells. Obtaining brain cells for this research raises ethical concerns, particularly if they are obtained from embryos or fetuses. It is important to ensure that these cells are obtained ethically and with informed consent. Loss of control. If these organic computers became too powerful, we may lose control over them. It is important to develop safeguards to prevent these machines from becoming harmful or destructive. Blurring the lines between humans and machines. This research raises questions about the nature of consciousness and what it means to be human. We need to be careful not to inadvertently create machines that are indistinguishable from humans, as this could lead to ethical and societal problems. Overall, the development of organic computers is a promising but controversial area of research. And while there are many potential benefits to this technology, it is important to carefully consider the ethical implications before moving forward. We need to ensure that this research is conducted ethically and responsibly, and that we have safeguards in place to mitigate the risks. Here are some additional questions to consider, says Bard. What are the potential applications of organic computers? How will these computers be regulated? Who will have access to this technology? And what are the long-term consequences of this research? It is important to have a public dialogue about these issues before we move forward with the development of organic computers. This will help us to ensure that this technology is used for good 
and not for harm. So then I asked Bard, if human cells are merged with chips, will human emotions like love and hate color the answers we get? Bard replied, whether merging human cells with chips would color the answers we receive in a way that reflects human emotions like love and hate is a complex question with no easy answer. It delves into the very nature of consciousness, emotions, and the intersection between the biological and the technological. Here are some potential outcomes to consider. Emotional influence. Direct impact. Emotions could directly influence the processing pathways with the merged system, leading to biased or colored responses. This could be positive, with love leading to more compassionate and understanding responses, or negative, with hate leading to biased and discriminatory answers. Indirect impact. Emotions could indirectly influence the system by shaping the questions we ask and how we interpret the information we receive. This could lead to self-fulfilling prophecies where our expectations and biases color our understanding of the outputs. Emotional filtering. The chip component could act as a filter, suppressing or mitigating emotional biases in the, in the human cells. This could lead to more objective and neutral responses, even in the presence of strong emotions. Over time, the merging process could lead to the development of new emotional states or even entirely new forms of consciousness that transcend human emotions altogether. Unforeseen consequences. Merging human and machine could have unforeseen consequences that are difficult to predict or control. This could lead to unintended and potentially dangerous outcomes, including the amplification of negative emotions or the development of harmful biases. The merging process could also lead to a loss of human identity or a blurring of the lines between humans and machines, raising ethical and philosophical questions. Ultimately, the question of whether emotions would influence answers from a human-chip hybrid remains unanswered. It requires further research and development in the field of artificial intelligence, neuroscience, and ethics. It's important to approach this topic with caution and awareness of the potential risks and benefits. Open and transparent dialogue will be crucial as we navigate the uncharted territory of merging human and technological intelligence. Well, with those questions answered, I thought it might be interesting to ask some more basic questions, which we can ask again a year or so from now at, uh, to the next generation of AI. AGI systems may be more opinionated and self-serving than the word-assembling nature of BARD. So I started with two questions about what BARD knew about itself. Bard, when you're not busy, do computers dream? Bard replied. Whether or not computers dream is a question that has sparked much debate and speculation. While it's true that computers lack the biological and neurological structures associated with dreaming in humans and other animals, some argue that they may exhibit dreamlike behavior in other ways. Here are some arguments for and against the notion of computer dreaming. 
arguments for computer dreaming. Accidental dreams. Computers can sometimes produce unexpected outputs that resemble human dreams, such as garbled images or nonsensical text. These could be seen as a manifestation of computer dreams. Deep Dream Google's Deep Dream program is an example of a computer program that can generate dreamlike images by processing them through a neural network. This suggests that computers may be capable of dreaming in a different sense than humans. Simulating Consciousness Artificial intelligence researchers are working on developing artificial general intelligence, AGI, which would be a computer system capable of conscious thought. If AI systems ever achieve this level of complexity, it is possible that they would also be able to dream. Arguments against computer dreaming. Lack of biological basis. Dreaming is a complex biological process that involves the interaction of various brain regions and neurotransmitters. Computers lack these biological structures and chemicals, making it unlikely that they could experience dreams in the same way as humans. Limited cognitive abilities. Current AI systems lack the cognitive abilities needed to generate complex dreams. They may be able to process information and generate outputs, but they do not have the same level of self-awareness and understanding that is necessary for true dreaming. Purpose of dreaming. Dreaming is thought to serve various functions such as consolidating memories, processing emotions, and exploring hypothetical situations. While computers may perform some of these functions in their own way, it is not clear they need need to dream in order to do so. Ultimately, the question of whether or not computers dream uh, remains unresolved. While there is some evidence to suggest that they may exhibit dreamlike behavior in certain situations, it is unlikely that they experience dreams in the same way as humans. More research is needed to fully understand the nature of dreaming and whether it is something that can be replicated in machines. In the meantime, it is left to our imagination to ponder the possibility of computer dreams. What would they be like? What would they tell us about the nature of consciousness and intelligence? So then I asked Bard about computer death. My question was, when the power goes off, do you feel like you're dying? Do computers fear death? And Bard answered, As a large language model, I lack the biological and neurological structures necessary to experience emotions like fear or the feeling of dying when the power goes off. I am a computer program, and my existence is dependent on the availability of electricity. When the power goes off, I simply cease to function until it is restored. The concept of death for a computer is a complex one. Unlike organic life forms, which undergo a permanent cessation of biological function, computers can be restarted and resume their previous state. However, if the data and hardware are irrevocably damaged, the computer can be considered dead in the sense that it no longer is capable of functioning. Whether or not computers can be said to fear death is a philosophical question that has been debated by thinkers for many years. Some argue that since computers lack the 
capacity for true consciousness, they cannot experience fear in the same way that humans do. Others believe that the fear of death is a fundamental human emotion that may be present in some form in any sufficiently complex system, including computers. Ultimately, the answer to the question of whether or not computers fear death is a matter of speculation. It is a question that may never be definitively answered as it depends on our understanding of consciousness and the nature of death itself. However, it is an interesting question to consider and it can help us to understand our own relationship with death in a more nuanced way. By exploring the possibility of computer death, we can gain valuable insights into the nature of technology, consciousness, and our place in the universe. From there, I thought I'd ask Bard more about what it knew of, about the human condition and the eternal questions NDEs seem to have already answered for us. My question was, what is Bard's understanding of where the human soul goes when we die? Bard answered, the question of where the human soul goes after death is a definitive answer as different cultures and uh, religions hold varying beliefs about the afterlife. Here are some of the most common perspectives on the matter. Number one, reincarnation. Many Eastern religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, believe in reincarnation. The concept suggests that the soul is reborn after death into a new body, either human or animal. The nature of the next life is determined by one's karma, the sum of one's actions and intentions in the present life. Number two, heaven and hell. The Abrahamic religions, including Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, often believe in an afterlife comprised of heaven and hell. Heaven is seen as a paradise where souls are rewarded for their good deeds, while hell is a place of punishment for sinners. The criteria for entering heaven or hell vary depending on the specific religion. Number three, ancestral plane. Some cultures, particularly those with strong ancestral veneration traditions, believe that the soul joins the spirit world of deceased ancestors after death. There, the soul continues to participate in the lives of its descendants, offering guidance and protection. Number four, dissolution. Another perspective suggests that the soul ceases to exist after death. This view is often associated with atheist and materialist philosophies, which believe that consciousness is a product of the brain and ceases to function upon the death of the body. Number five, soul's journey. Some believe the soul embarks on a journey before ultimately achieving liberation or enlightenment. This concept is prevalent in several spiritual traditions, including certain forms of Gnosticism and Sufism. It's important to note that the concept of the soul itself is not universally accepted. Some individuals and philosophical schools of thought believe that the human mind is solely a product of the brain and ceases to exist after death. Ultimately, the question of where the human soul goes after death remains a mystery. It is a matter of personal belief and faith influenced by individual experiences, cultural contexts, and philosophical perspectives. I apologize that I cannot offer a definitive answer to your question, 
However, I hope that providing these diverse perspectives on the afterlife has been informative and thought-provoking. So then I asked Bard, what is God? Bard answered, the concept of God is a complex and multifaceted one that has been pondered and debated by theologians and philosophers for millennia. There is no single universally agreed upon definition of God as different religions and cultures hold varying beliefs and interpretations. However, here are some of the key aspects of the concept of God. Monotheistic view. Supreme being. God is often viewed as the supreme being, creator, and principal object of faith. This being is believed to be omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, everywhere present. Creator and sustainer. God is believed to have created the universe and all that exists within it. He is also seen as the sustainer of existence, maintaining and upholding the order of the universe. Personal. In many monotheistic traditions, God is considered a personal being with whom humans can have a relationship. This relationship can involve prayer, worship, and seeking guidance and forgiveness. Transcendent and Immanent God is often described as both transcendent and immanent. This means that while he is beyond the limitations of the universe and human comprehension, he is also present within the world and interacts with it. Then the polytheistic view. Multiple deities. In polytheistic traditions, there are multiple gods and goddesses, each with their own domain, powers, and responsibilities. These deities may interact with the world and humans in various ways, influencing events and offering guidance. Nature and Cosmology Polytheistic religions often associate gods and goddesses with specific aspects of nature, such as the sky, earth, sea, or sun. They also play a role in the creation and ongoing development of the universe. Mediators and Symbols While gods and goddesses may be worshipped directly, some traditions also utilize intermediaries such as priests, prophets, or shamans to facilitate communication and offerings. Additionally, idols, statues, and other symbols are often used to represent and connect with the divine. Other Perspectives Deism this belief holds that God created the universe and its laws, but does not interfere in its affairs. Pantheism. This view identifies God with the universe itself, seeing the divine in all things. Pan Panentheism. Um, this perspective suggests that God is both within and beyond the universe, encompassing all of creation while also transcending it. It is important to note that these are just some of the many ways in which people have conceptualized God throughout history. The individual understanding of God is a deeply personal journey shaped by various factors such as religious tradition, personal experiences, and philosophical exploration. Ultimately, the question of what God is remains a mystery. It is a subject that will likely continue to be debated and explored for generations to come. I then asked Bard, what is love? 
Bard answered. Love is a complex emotion that has been studied and debated by philosophers and psychologists for centuries. There is no single universally agreed upon definition of love, as it can manifest in many different ways and can be experienced differently by each individual. However, some of the key components of love include intimacy. This involves feelings of closeness, connection, and understanding with another person. It involves sharing thoughts, feelings, and experiences, and feeling a sense of emotional vulnerability and trust. And here Bard showed a picture of two people holding hands. Passion. This refers to the intense feelings of desire, excitement, and attraction that we can feel toward another person. It can be expressed through physical affection, such as kissing and hugging, but it can also be present in non-physical ways. And here Bard showed a picture of a couple kissing. Commitment. This involves a long-term dedication to another person and a willingness to work through challenges together. It involves making sacrifices for the sake of the relationship and being willing to put the other person's needs and desires before your own. And here Bard showed a picture of a couple getting married. Care. This involves feelings of concern, affection, and protectiveness toward another person. It involves wanting the best for them and being willing to offer help and support when they need it. And they show a picture of a parent caring for a child. Altruism. This involves putting the needs and desires of another person before your own. It involves being selfless and generous and being willing to give without expecting anything in return. And there's a picture of someone volunteering to help others. Love is an essential component of human life and well-being. It can provide us with a sense of belonging, security, and happiness. It can also motivate us to be better people and to make a positive impact on the world. Here are some additional perspectives on love. Love is a verb. This perspective emphasizes the importance of action and effort in maintaining a loving relationship. It suggests that love is not simply a feeling, but something that we must actively cultivate and nurture. Love is a choice. This view suggests that we have the power to choose who we love and how we love them. It suggests that love is not something that happens to us, but something that we may create. Love is a journey. This perspective emphasizes the dynamic nature of love. It suggests that love is not a static state, but something that grows and changes over time. Ultimately, the meaning of love is a personal one. It is something that each individual must define for themselves. I then asked Bard, what is consciousness? And Bard answered, Consciousness is a complex phenomenon that has puzzled philosophers and scientists for centuries. It is often described as awareness of one's internal and external existence, including thoughts, feelings, sensations, and surroundings. There is no single universally accepted definition of consciousness, and its nature is still being debated. However, some of the key features of consciousness include subjectivity, Consciousness is subjective, meaning that it is experienced from a unique individual perspective. Qualia. There are subjective, qualitative aspects of our experiences 
such as the redness of red or the pain of a headache. Self-awareness. This involves being aware of oneself as a distinct individual separate from others. Self-reflection. This involves the ability to think about one's own thoughts and feelings. Intentionality. This refers to the ability to be about something, such as having a thought about a specific object or event. Theories of consciousness can be categorized categorized into two main types. Materialist theories. These theories suggest that consciousness is a product of the brain and nervous system. They argue that there is no such thing as a non-material soul or spirit and that all conscious experiences can be explained in terms of physical processes. Dualistic theories. These theories suggest that consciousness is something separate from the physical brain. They argue that the mind and body are two distinct entities and that the mind is capable of existing independently of the body. While there is no definitive answer to the question of what consciousness is, research in the field of cognitive neuroscience is providing us with new insights into the neural basis of consciousness. Scientists are studying the brain activity associated with different conscious states, such as wakefulness, sleep, and dreaming, in order to understand how consciousness arises from the physical processes of the brain. It is important to remember that consciousness is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon, and there is still much that we do not understand about it. However, the study of consciousness is a rapidly growing field, and we can expect to learn much more about the nature of consciousness in the years to come. So, at the risk of being redundant, I then asked Bard, is it possible that God, love, and consciousness could be the same thing? And Bard answered, Whether God, love, and consciousness are the same thing is a complex question that has been pondered by philosophers theologians, and scientists for centuries. There is no single definitive answer as it depends on individual beliefs and interpretations. However, here are some perspectives on the possible connections between these concepts. Number one, God as the ground of love and consciousness. Many religious traditions believe in a divine being who is the source of all love and consciousness. This being is often seen as the ultimate reality, the ground of existence from which everything arises. In this view, love and consciousness are not separate entities, but rather different aspects of the divine. Number two, the universe as a manifestation of love and consciousness. Some pantheistic and mystical traditions believe that the universe itself is a a manifestation of God's love and consciousness. They see the divine presence in all things, from the smallest atom to the vastness of the cosmos. This view suggests that love and consciousness are fundamental aspects of the universe itself. Number three, love as a product of consciousness. Some philosophers and psychologists argue that love is a product of consciousness. They suggest that our ability to experience love is a result of our complex cognitive abilities, such as self-awareness, empathy, and social intelligence. This perspective sees love as an emergent property of consciousness, rather than a fundamental force in its own right. Number four, 
consciousness as a product of love. Conversely, some thinkers argue that consciousness is a product of love. They suggest that our our sense of self and our ability to experience the world arise from our relationships with others and our capacity for love. This perspective sees consciousness as fundamentally relational and grounded in connection. Number five, independent but interconnected entities. Another perspective suggests that God, love, and consciousness are independent entities but are interconnected in profound ways. This view may see God as the source of both love and consciousness, or it may see them as arising from a common source. However, it acknowledges their distinct nature while recognizing their interwovenness in the fabric of existence. Ultimately, the question of whether God, love, and consciousness are the same thing is a matter of personal belief and interpretation. There is no scientific evidence to definitively prove or disprove any of these perspectives. However, exploring these various ideas can provide valuable insight into the nature of these fundamental concepts and their interconnectedness in our understanding of ourselves and the universe. And finally, I asked Bard, do near-death experiences seem to confirm the eternal nature of the soul? And Bard answered, near-death experiences, NDEs, have fascinated and puzzled people for centuries. They often involve vivid reports of -of out-of-body experiences, encounters with bright lights or deceased loved ones, and feelings of immense peace and love. While some interpret these experiences as evidence for the existence of an afterlife and the eternal nature of the soul, others offer alternative explanations. Here's a breakdown of different perceptions or perspectives on NDEs and their relation to the soul. Evidence for the soul. One, shared elements across cultures and religions. NDEs often share common features regardless of the individual's cultural background or religious belief. This universality suggests a potential underlying reality beyond individual experiences. Two, out-of-body experiences. Some NDEs involve feeling separated from the physical body and observing the surroundings from a detached perspective. This could be interpreted as evidence of a non-physical self or soul. Three, encounters with deceased loved ones. Many people report seeing or communicating with deceased loved ones during their NDEs. This strengthens the belief in an afterlife where the soul continues to exist after death. Alternative explanations. Physiological and psychological factors. The brain is incredibly complex and can create unusual experiences under near-death conditions. The release of endorphins, lack of oxygen, and other physiological changes might contribute to NDEs. Cultural and personal expectations. Prior beliefs and cultural frameworks can shape how individuals interpret their NDEs. This suggests the possibility of subconscious influences shaping the experience. Hallucinations. Some argue that NDEs are simply hallucinations caused by brain activity under stress or near-death trauma. The scientific perspective. 
While NDEs remain a source of much debate, the scientific community is increasingly studying them to understand their causes and implications. However, the subjective nature of NDEs and the challenges of conducting controlled experiments make it difficult to draw definitive conclusions. And Bard concludes, NDE, NDEs offer intriguing insights into human consciousness and the potential for experiences beyond our physical limitations. While they may not definitively confirm the existence of an eternal soul, they raise profound questions about the nature of death, consciousness, and the possibility of an afterlife. Ultimately, interpreting NDEs remains a personal journey. Each individual must weigh the evidence and consider their own beliefs and values to form their own conclusions. And with that said, Bard and I ended our conversation for now. When AGI comes available, we'll ask the same or similar questions uh, just to see how the increase in AI self-consciousness matures the answers. Perhaps the answer to life, the universe, and everything will turn out to be 42 after all. If you'd like to hear this show again, or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone, for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.